is with some Christmas songs. If you all would join and sing along with us. And spoiler alert, we got a little surprise for you. <laughs> singing this morning. I want to say welcome to uh, Burlington Baptist. We uh, want to say a special welcome to those joining us online, and uh, we'll call you all on land, and those online, thank you for joining us, and we say Merry Christmas to you. Hope you're filled with joy this Christmas season. Uh, if you're a guest with us, maybe your first time, we have these little cards called uh, connection cards, and uh, I like those bells, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, we might keep some of you awake this morning. Uh, if you would get a connection card and take that to the welcome desk when you leave, uh, we'd love to give you some information about the church and a gift, uh, but it's always a blessing to us to have visitors. And uh, just a couple things, uh, we know this is Christmas week, Thursday we'll have two Christmas Eve services, uh, one at 7.30 and one at 9.30. Uh, one at 7.30 will be online for those who aren't able to come, and so you can join us there. And then next Sunday morning, we'll just have one service, 1045. Uh, we won't have Bible study or anything else next Sunday morning, 1045. At the end of the service, we'll uh, vote to approve the 2021 uh, budget. And uh, she's okay. <laughs> Safe. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, that's next Sunday. And uh, I just want to thank you all for your faithful giving uh, this past year. Uh, you know, you all found ways to give online or to mail it in or to drop it by. And so we thank you for that. This month we're collecting for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. that goes to support our missionaries like Kyle and Molly that are all over the world. And uh, our goal is 20000 We've got 9800 so we're about halfway there, and uh, we'd love to pass that go this morning. There's a manger out there. You could drop your gift in that uh, on the way out, and you can give your regular offering in the brown boxes. Uh, but we, again, we appreciate your giving this year, and uh, we're excited about our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. If we meet that go, I'll probably call you this week and just uh, celebrate with you a little bit. Uh, but So please give to that uh, this year, this month, if you will. And uh, I think that's it. Let's pray, and uh, we're going to worship the Lord this morning. 
Father, we just want to thank you today for your faithfulness. Uh, Lord, in the midst of a tough year, you have remained faithful. And uh, we thank you for the privilege that we can come this morning and sing to you and sing about the joy that we have and the fact that Jesus would come. And uh, we know that he came to save us from our sins. And uh, we want to praise you this morning. We want to pray for the needs of our church. We know there are many going through difficult times, and we lift them up to you. Uh, we pray for those that are lost. We, we want them to, to hear the good news and be saved. Uh, we celebrate with Kyle and Molly, that Muslim family that heard the good news and, and believed in Jesus. And uh, we pray for a, for a harvest for our missionaries. And even this morning, we pray that someone might come to know Jesus personally. Bless those that are listening online. We pray encouragement for them. And, and for those in this room, we pray that we can lift our voices and make much of Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Came to see the baby to his mother's side. Here lay the Savior inside a manger. Oh, what a glorious night! Oh, what a glorious night!
the shepherds wanted, they couldn't hide it, told everyone inside. Right, thank you, thank you. I don't know about the preaching today, but the singing is good, amen? Yes, thank you, children. So our Christmas series this year has been called Reclaiming Christmas, and we've been talking about what Christ came to accomplish when He came, and uh, we've used some big words. We've used redemption, which is a marketplace term, because we were slaves. We've, we've used propitiation which is a religious term to appease uh, the wrath of God. And last week we used the word justification, which is a legal term. That means that God declares us not guilty and gives us. And so I, I think I'm going to use this triangle one more time because uh, I don't know if I ever pull this up again. And you all are, are uh, kind of done with propitiation. So uh, one last time, redemption. Jesus paid a ransom, his blood, because we were slaves. We were slaves to sin. He redeems us with His blood. That's redemption. Propitiation is that we lived under the wrath of God, and Jesus offered Himself to appease the wrath of the Father. Propitiation. We don't have to use it anymore for a while. So, uh, And then last week, justification. Uh, even though we're guilty, because Jesus offers Himself as a sacrifice, that when we come through faith, then the Father declares us not guilty and declares us righteous because we are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. And this morning we're going to talk about the forgiveness of our sins. I want you all to stand with me. You, you haven't got to stand for a minute. And uh, the passage this morning is one verse, uh, a verse that you should memorize if you don't know. It's Ephesians 1-7. Ephesians 1-7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, 
the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Let's do that one more time. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Let's pray. Father, uh, we just thank You today for Your grace. And uh, Lord, your, your grace is just outrageous towards us. And I pray this morning for a few minutes we can be reminded of, of who we were uh, before Christ. Uh, sinners, trespassers, uh, lost in our sins, in darkness, in your condemnation, under your wrath. And Jesus came, and we've sung about that glorious night and the joy that came to the world when Jesus was born. I, I pray this morning that we could be reminded of the condition we were in and the fact that Jesus came to this earth and lived a sinless life and then went to the cross and died to pay for our sins. And so teach us today about the forgiveness of our sins, and, and may we be amazed afresh uh, by your grace. And Lord, as we talk about forgiveness this morning, I, I pray that you might do a work in our hearts. We know that uh, we should forgive because we have been forgiven, and we struggle with that sometimes. And we pray that your Spirit would convict us of any unforgiveness, and you would work in us to, to make us more like Jesus and to allow us to be able to forgive. We want to be able to do that because we have been forgiven of so much. And so speak through your word. Lord, if there's anyone here that's lost, we pray that they would come to understand the gospel and what Jesus did for them, and they would turn from their sins and believe upon Jesus. And what a, what a Christmas that'll be for them to be saved. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. And So in him... Uh, we have redemption through His blood. In Jesus, we have redemption. We, we're familiar with that word now. Jesus paid a ransom, and the ransom was His blood. And because of that ransom, because uh, He shed His blood for us, we can have the forgiveness of our trespasses. That word forgiveness, obvious, means dismissal or release or pardon. And so through the blood of Jesus, we are offered the forgiveness, the pardon, the, the release of our trespasses. The word trespasses, some translations, uh, offenses. Uh, Colossians 1.14 says that in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And so, listen church, we have trespassed against our Creator. We have sinned against God, and we deserve uh, death for our sin. Romans 6.23, the, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve, but there's a gift, the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so last week we talked about justification. That's even though we're guilty of sin, uh, through our faith in Jesus, the Father acquits us. And, and today we'll talk about forgiveness. Listen, our acquittal and our forgiveness is not granted because we deserve to be forgiven. But it is on the basis of Ephesians 1-7, it is according to the grace of God. It is according to His grace that we can be forgiven. And so this Sunday before Christmas, regardless of what gift you might get this year, nothing will compare to the gift of God's grace. I don't care how good it is, it cannot compare to what God has given us. That's what grace is. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. What we deserve is death. What we deserve is condemnation. Uh, but God gives us, based upon the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, in His mercy and love and, and grace, He gives us, offers us the forgiveness of our sins. And so we could say that Christ came to provide the forgiveness of sins forgiveness for sinners and so we've talked about redemption and and propitiation and justification those are our integral parts of salvation well forgiveness is is just as integral when jesus forgives us it's as if he has a divine eraser and uh, we like to write on those whiteboards and and after we write we get that eraser and we erase it all that's what God invites for us is for him to get out his divine eraser and wipe away all of our transgressions and our sins. Listen, we have a, a big sin debt. Uh, I, I used to try to illustrate this. Uh, let's just say that I just sin three times a day. 
And I know you have higher expectations for your pastor, but, but when we think about all the ways that we can sin, the Bible says to know to do right and not to do it is sin. And the Bible tells us to be kind, tenderhearted towards one another, and to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It, the Bible tells us to esteem others better than ourselves. The Bible gives us all kinds of instructions. It tells us to go and make disciples. And, and so I can sin with my thoughts. Uh, I can have lustful thoughts or anger thoughts, or I, I can sin by not doing what God tells So if I just sin three times a day over the course of a year, that would be over a thousand sins. If, if I just sin three times a day over my lifetime, I've gotten over 50,000 sins. That's quite a debt. Would you agree? You say, preacher, that's, yeah, well, you got more than that maybe. I don't know. I, I won't say that, but anyway. Uh, but God is willing to release us from that debt, to pardon the debt. Now, we've got to ask the question, how could God pardon the debt? Well, you remember on the cross, right before Jesus took his last breath, right before he gave up the Spirit, he said in John, 16, uh, John 19, 30, he said, it is finished. It is finished. Now, that's three words to us in English, but in the Greek, it's just one word. It's te- telestai, and it translates paid in full. It's a financial term. It's as if you've bought something. Maybe you bought a bunch of grain and you have a bill and you pay it and they stamp Teltelestai on it. It's paid in full. Well, that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He took my sin debt and your sin debt if you're saved. He took the punishment that we deserve. We, we deserve death. Jesus took that punishment. He paid it in full. And so we have redemption through His blood. It was by His blood that He paid our sin debt. And because our debt was paid in full, God can forgive our sins. He can release us of our debts, erase our sins, and we are free in Christ. Now, the enemy always wants to bring up our sin. He wants to accuse us, and whenever he accuses us, we need to claim the promises of God that we are forgiven through the blood of Christ. Because that's the truth. If you're in Christ, you have been forgiven, your sins have been erased, and so don't let the enemy use your past against you. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west. If you're traveling, that's a long ways. As far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. And so I want to ask you a very important question this morning. Have you received the forgiveness of your sins through repentance and faith. Have you received what God offers you, forgiveness of sin? Have you received it through repentance and faith? And so not only did, did Christ come to provide forgiveness for sinners, but secondly, He expects us to forgive others. He expects us to forgive others. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's a good word for 2020, isn't it? Be kind and tenderhearted. Could we use some more kind and tenderhearted people this year? Yeah. I told them, first service, I did a funeral a couple weeks ago, and the verse that came to mind for this guy was Ephesians 4.32, because he was kind and tenderhearted. That, that's the instructions for all of us. But beyond that, it says, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And so we are to forgive others as God has forgiven us. If you are saved and you enjoy the forgiveness of your sins and your trespasses, then you are called to forgive others. Now, forgiveness seems to be an odd subject to talk about on the Christmas, on the on the Sunday before Christmas. And yet I suspect that some of you listening, maybe even online or in this room, need to hear God's word regarding forgiveness. I suspect God wants to get into somebody's business today in regards to your forgiveness of others. And so let's just invite him to do that. Matthew 18, if you have your Bible, turn over there. And we're going to look at a parable that Jesus shares about forgiveness. The, the context of this parable is that Peter... And Peter, the one who sticks his, his foot in his mouth a lot, he had asked Jesus this question in verse 21. Uh, Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? 
And, of course, we know Jesus said, no, I, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus says, no, you keep on forgiving. There's no limit on how often we are to provide forgiveness. And then Jesus tells this parable, and, and we're going we're gonna to look at it this morning. Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. And so as we read this, and we're going to read the whole parable, but first of all, we're astonished by the king's forgiveness. The king, verse 23, says he had an account to settle. He obviously had the right to do that. And so he calls one in verse 24, and he owed him 10,000 talents. Now listen, talent is the largest measure of money in the Roman world. And so we think of our largest bills. But this, this a talent was the largest. 6,000 uh, 6, denarius was equal to one talent. A denarius was a day's wage. And so a talent is a big sum of money. And Jesus says he owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 was the largest expressible number in the Greek language. And so it could be even higher. But, but so what Jesus is saying is that he owed him a huge debt. Uh, someone has said that 10,000 talents would equal 17 year wages, years of wages for 10,000 men. Now, some of you are trying to do the math on that. That's, it's, just, it's just a big number, billions. It's a, an amount that this man could never pay back. So this, this debtor, he was probably a high-ranking official. Maybe he was a tax collector. Maybe he was responsible for a certain area. And the size of his debt is astronomical. Uh, and so what Jesus is trying to show us is that, that he was unable to pay this debt. I don't even know how he got a debt this big. Maybe it was embezzlement, neglect. Of, I don't know. But anyway, verse 25 says, Since he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife, his children, uh, to payment to be made. And so if they sold the man and his wife and the children, that, that wouldn't be a drop in the bucket to the amount of debt that he had. And so uh, we understand that. And we understand again that the king had right to demand the payment. He was owed this money. So the servant, verse 26, he fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Now, he, he's, we've already said he's not ever going to be able to pay him everything. But, but he still says uh, to his master, please be patient with me. Have mercy on me. That, that's really the only hope that he had. He couldn't pay the debt. And so he cries out for mercy. And verse 27, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, that's just astounding. Uh, we've seen the, the king's compassion and forgiveness, and, and uh, he doesn't say, I'm going to put you on a payment plan. That would even have been nice. But no, he, he just says, I'm going to freely forgive this unpayable debt. And we read that, and we think, that, that would be utterly amazing. We don't hear of anything like that. I mean, they're talking about forgiving student debt. That, that's not a drop in the bucket to what this guy owed. And, and so, but... Church, listen, this is a picture of what God does on the behalf of every sinner who repents. The, the servant symbolizes a lost sinner. And as a lost sinner, we have a, a debt of sin, and the wages of sin is death, and we can never pay it back. And the king, the, the master, uh, pictures our loving Heavenly Father who is full of grace and mercy, who is willing and eager to forgive. And so if you're a, a born-again, repentant sinner, th this servant is a picture of you. And it said that Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we can never pay. We, we can never pay for our sins. And so Jesus came and paid it. And, and listen, God... He not only forgives our sin, he, he changes our status. He not only forgives our debt, but He brings us into His family. He adopts us. We become children of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. I mean, He, he takes it to the extreme. And, and that's what grace is. 
It's, it's, a, it's amazing grace. And for some reason, I, I, we're just not as amazed by God's grace as we should be. I don't know what's wrong with the church. We're, we're, not amazed as, we're not as amazed as we should be at what God has done for us. Now, the reason I want to do this series on Reclaiming Christmas is I want us to understand some things about our condition without Christ. And so as we were slaves to sin. We were living under the wrath of God. We were guilty sinners. We were separated from God in our unrighteousness, and we were debtors. And Jesus came to redeem us and to forgive us. Well, listen, if you think you're going to heaven by your good deeds or works, listen, I just want to remind you of the debt that you had. It was an unpayable debt apart from the precious, precious, precious blood of Jesus. And you would think that someone who was forgiven of such a tremendous debt would be full of compassion and mercy. And so while we're astonished at the king's forgiveness, when we get to verse 28, we're, we're appalled at this servant's unforgiveness. Verse 28, but, that, but when, the, when that same servant, the one who had been forgiven, he went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. And so, get it, he's just been released from this tremendous debt, he immediately goes out and finds someone who owes him a hundred denarii, grabs hold of him, chokes him, and says, pay me what you owe me. Now, a, a denarii is just an average day's pay. It, it's nothing in comparison to 10,000 talents. And so a hundred days pay, I mean, 12, 15, whatever it is, this is something this guy could have paid back. And so how do we feel about this behavior? I mean, it, doesn't it push your angry button? Anybody? I mean, it's like, what? How could he behave this way after he has been forgiven of so much? And do you feel that way? And, and what's Jesus showing us in this parable? Well, listen, he's underscoring the absurdity of an unforgiving Christian. We're appalled by this servant's behavior. But it's exactly what occurs every time a Christian is unforgiving. It's a picture of us. To verse 29, so this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Now does that sound familiar? That's exactly what the other servant cried out in verse 26. He had a debt he couldn't pay back, but he cried out, have patience and mercy on me. And so this servant does the same thing, and yet the result is so much different. Verse 30, he refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. And so he's cold-hearted. He went and had this guy thrown into prison. I mean, you can't repay your debt if you're in prison, can you? But he went and had him thrown into prison and... We're appalled at such unreasonable and harsh treatment. And again, it's a picture of us. It's a picture of Christians who refuse to forgive others. Verse 31, when, this, when his fellow servants saw that he, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And so other people, the other servants see this, and they're offended by it, and they're, they're angered by it, aren't they? They're outraged, and, and we feel that outrage. And, and in a sense, that servant placed himself above the king because the king showed mercy, and yet this servant, well, I mean, he wanted vengeance in his situation in the same place where he had received mercy. And so as the reader, we understand how these other servants felt because we feel the same way. And so maybe Jesus included their response uh, as a picture of how sin, how the sin of one unforgiving individual affects the entire body. And some of you think, well, unforgiveness, that, that, that's my issue. And nobody else should worry about my unforgiveness. That's just my issue. Well, Jesus might differ with you on that. Listen to me, if you call yourself a Christian and you claim to have received the forgiveness of your many sins and yet you refuse to extend forgiveness to others, 
You ever thought that that might just be a slap in the face of God who allowed his son to die so that you could be forgiven of your sins? You ever thought about that? When we refuse to forgive, that we might be slapping our father in the face because he gave his only son so that we could have the forgiveness of our sins. And the truth is, one unforgiving person in the church can cause an offense to the entire flock. And so I think it's right and it's honoring to God when we get involved, when we speak truth to someone who is unwilling to forgive a brother or sister in Christ. I mean, the matter of fact, the context of Matthew 18 is, is Jesus' instructions on how to discipline uh, is to be handled in the church. Verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go to him. And if he listens and you've gained your brother, and if he won't listen, then take one or two others with you. And, and so that, that's the context. Now, some of you are thinking, well, listen, I'm innocent in this regard. I, I, don't, I didn't do anything wrong. My hands are clean. But are they clean in regards to forgiveness? Are your hands clean in regards to forgiveness? And we finished this parable, but it's, we're, now, we're to announce the king's anger. Do you think the king would be outraged when he heard about this servant? Verse 32, his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailer's until he should pay all his debt. Now we understand the outcome of that parable. And just as the king was angry with his servant that he fully forgave, how do you think God feels when we won't forgive? And so he released him there in verse 24 to the jailers. That, that word bas antis is one who elicits the truth by the use of a rack. He released him to the tormentors or the torturers. The jailer there in verse 34 represents God's discipline for unforgiveness. And in verse 35, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That sounds like commentary to John, I mean Matthew 6, 14 and 15, when Jesus talks about how you should pray at the end of that, Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so he's just talked about prayer, and now he's talking about forgiveness. And here's what I believe. Christians who refuse to forgive others will be subject to the severest kind of discipline until they learn to forgive as they have been forgiven. I think Jesus is teaching that in the parable. And listen, you're never more like Jesus than when you are extending forgiveness to others. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Anybody? You're never more like him than when you're extending forgiveness. And you're never more unlike him when you refuse to forgive. And so I believe there are Christians, and I've met some, and I believe there are many Christians who suffer from stress and depression and discouragement and relationship problems and other ailments because of their refusal to forgive. And it doesn't have to be that way. So verse 35, my, as also, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So don't, don't forgive grudgingly, but get, forgive from the heart. Refuse to dwell upon the offense. Let it go. Release that person from whatever they did to you. You know, in the Old Testament, God's people were always, man, they were always unfaithful to God, pursuing idols. And uh, when we come to Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, we, Jeremiah begins to talk about turning their mourning into joy in this new covenant and Jeremiah 31, 34 says, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Their iniquity was great. And yet God says to Judah, 
that I'm going to remember their sin no more. That, that's true forgiveness. And listen, true forgiveness would liberate some of you from the tormentors that are mentioned there in verse 34 and, and allow you to glorify God and be used by God. Jesus said in, in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Now, listen, I realize that forgiveness doesn't come easy for some. Over the years, I've heard stories about hurt and deep hurt and scars and, and how someone's treatment affected your life and family and relationships. And, and so it may seem humanly impossible for you to forgive somebody. And yet, we know that what is impossible with man is possible through the power of God. And uh, listen, it is certainly, listen to me, it is certainly possible for the redeemed people of God living under the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive even the most serious of offenses. And Christians ought to be the most forgiving people on the earth. But we're not always, but we should be. We should be the most forgiving because we have been forgiven as no one else ever has been. We had an unpayable debt. Martin Luther said, we are justified by faith alone, but not by faith which is alone. And so our faith comes first, but, but our new nature comes and, and expresses itself through obedience and action. I was thinking about this statement, and I think I can make a strong case for it. I don't know. You might disagree. But if we do not forgive others, it's likely that we have not been forgiven. I think I could back that up with scriptures. If we won't forgive others, it's likely we've not been forgiven. It's likely that we're not God's children because we have no resemblance. If there's been no change in our heart, then why should we think that we've been born again? And don't miss... Jesus' strong conclusion to that parable, he, he's saying basically judgment is coming. We're going to give an account to our master. And we need God's forgiveness of our sins. We need his full and complete forgiveness, and he offers that. And so Christ came to provide forgiveness for sinners. He, came, he expects forgiveness. And finally, Christ offers forgiveness. You all know 1 John 1, 9, if we confess if, that's a big word, isn't it? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we'll confess, that's a wonderful verse. I, I hope you memorize it. If we confess, He will forgive. That, that word confess, homo legos, homo is same, and lego is, to, is word. It, it means to say the same thing. If we agree with God, if we acknowledge our sin, if we agree with, that God is right and we're wrong, we, we acknowledge our sin, He'll forgive us. I, I wish I was more like Jesus here. I, you know, if you confess your sins to me, I'll probably agree with you that, that you were wrong. And I might tell you why you were wrong and, and why you should feel bad about it. Anybody ever do that? But not Jesus. He says, you confess your sins, I'll forgive you. God in His grace offers forgiveness. And so for the believer, we're already forgiven. I think what John is saying here is, since you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, since you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, we regularly confess our sins to God. And so, listen, as the Spirit convicts us, we confess we acknowledge that we're wrong, and we ask for forgiveness, and we get to enjoy His forgiveness. And as we grow in our faith, uh, we grow in our hatred for sin, hopefully, and, and we come more quickly, hopefully, to, to repentance. We turn from our sins, we confess them to God, and we continue to enjoy His forgiveness. Now, to anybody who's here this morning who's not saved, if you've never repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus for His forgiveness and eternal life, listen, I want you to know He offers forgiveness to you today. Uh, in Matthew four seventeen, when Jesus first began His public ministry, He, he began, it says that He went out and he, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And so Jesus said, turn from your sins and turn to me. Peter said something similar in Acts 2.38. This is at Pentecost, the day the Spirit's poured out and the church is birthed. Here's what Peter is preaching. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter says, repent and believe upon Jesus, and you can be saved and forgiven. And so what a gift for Christmas. The forgiveness of all your sins, eternal life with Jesus forever. Listen, how would you like God to take an eraser and just start wiping off all your sins. Wouldn't that be awesome? He offers to do that this morning. And so as we prepare for an invitation, listen, if you're here and, and you know that you're lost and you realize, man, I, my debt, my sin debt is, is unpayable. Listen, I want you to know that Jesus Christ paid your debt on the cross. And listen, He is your only hope. And you can come to Him in repentance just as that servant did, and cry out for mercy, and you'll find it. Listen, our Heavenly Father desires to forgive all your sins, and, and, and He says that your debt can be canceled because Jesus has paid in full your debt. That's good news. It's offered to you today. And if, you're, if you call yourself a Christian and and you realize how much God has forgiven you, listen, don't be like this servant and refuse to forgive others. The, the only sure proof that a person has received God's forgiveness through faith in Jesus is a transformed heart. A transformed heart that's willing to forgive others. And so, who do you need to extend forgiveness to today? And I bet if there's somebody, I bet you the Spirit will bring them to your mind. And we can be real practical and we can let the Word do its work. Who do you need to extend forgiveness to today? And maybe during the invitation you need to come and just say, God, help me. I don't want to. God, help me. I can't. God, there's so much hurt. God, you got to heal me. Listen, he'll help you with that. He wants to help you with that. He wants to help you honor his word by extending forgiveness to others. And so will you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your forgiveness. Lord, I think about the evils I've done and thoughts I've had and words I've said and just all the sin in my life. All the things I'm glad nobody else in this room knows about. I'm thankful that when I came to Jesus, He erased them all. What a blessing. What a blessing that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Lord, I'm so thankful that one day I'm not have to stand before you and give an account for all my sins. Because Jesus paid for them all. Thank you so much. And Lord, I pray that if there's a person here this morning who's never experienced the forgiveness of their sins, I, I pray the light would come on and they'd realize that, man, I've got a sin debt. I can't ever pay it back. But Jesus step, stepped out of heaven, came to earth, went to the cross, and became sin for me. And I pray that today they might make that personal. And they might come to you and confess their sins and seek your forgiveness. May they plead for mercy as that servant did. And, and may they find complete release and forgiveness today. And Lord, I, I know there's lots of believers in this room and listening. Lord, I'm sure there's some issues of unforgiveness that need to be dealt with. And what a great season to deal with it. And Lord, you know all the hurt. You didn't miss any of that. Vengeance is yours, and you're going to take care of that. But I pray that as your children, 
will always be willing to offer forgiveness to others in light of all that you've forgiven for us. We invite you to work during this invitation, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and I invite you to respond and I'm sure the Spirit has spoken this morning and let me read, you know, verse 33 there. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy? Is, is that a verse for anybody here today? That God would say to you, shouldn't you have mercy as I had mercy on you? And, and listen, if you're here without Christ, I just want you to know that, that forgiveness is extended to you today. And I, I was thinking about the prodigal son. You know when his father saw him returning? It says in Luke 15, verse 20, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Listen, you have a heavenly father just like that. And you're not going to come to him and he began to say, This sin and this sin, and I told you not to do that. He, he's not like that. He's not going to hold your sin over your head. He, He's going to hug you and kiss you and extend His forgiveness. Some of you need to receive that today. And I'd love to, I'd love to tell you more about His forgiveness. You respond this morning. If, if you're in your sins, you respond and enjoy His complete forgiveness today.
Somebody should have shouted. Man, he, he's the one. Praise the one who paid our debt. And Man, if you ever got to shout, you, you go ahead and shout. I mean, if somebody paid that much for you, then praise him if you want to. That's all right. Uh, thank you for coming this morning, and I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to encourage you to maybe look around, and if, if you can remember back to March, if you remember some people that used to sit around you, Back then, maybe call them up this week and encourage them, tell them you miss them. And uh, there's lots of people that are going to be alone this Christmas. And, uh, and so it's a good time for us to, to minister to, to those that uh, are going to be alone this year. So do that. And uh, I gave the first group an opportunity if anybody had a praise. Any, anybody got something you just need to praise the Lord for this morning before we go? All right, all right, yeah, yeah. We, Amen. Some some of you got that praise. Amen. And some some are battling that right now. So uh, pray for one another. But uh, yeah, that's a praise. Anybody else got a praise? Amen. Amen. Thank you for those working with our children, and uh, we're thankful for them. I'm thankful for you guys. You you are such an encouragement to. Jenny came to the first service, but thank you for your love and encouragement to us, and uh, we, we want to tell you Merry Christmas. Again, uh, Thursday night, 7.30, 9.30, if you want to come to one of our Christmas Eve services, and, and 10.45 next Sunday morning, and uh, Dollar Club boxes are out there if you want to uh, give to, to that, and uh, our deacons will dismiss us from the back to front. Again, I appreciate them doing that each week, and anything else before we go? All right, Lord, thank you for paying my debt. Father, I'm sorry it's as big as it was, but thank you. And uh, Lord, may we not get over that. May we share that good news with our family this week and our friends and our neighbors. Lord, we want everybody to know that Jesus came to pay for sins. The angel said you should call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. I, I pray that we would share that good news. And Lord, we'll be the church this week and we'll minister to one another and we'll encourage one another. And Lord, for those who are lonely, we lift them up to you. And Lord, I, I see people that have lost loved ones this year. I pray for them. I, I know Christmas is a tough time. Uh, when there's an empty seat, and, and so we pray for those who are uh, grieving a loss this year. We pray your love and comfort for them. And, and for those that are lonely, we lift them up to you. Lord, we pray for those battling COVID, those battling cancer. We pray encouragement, strength, healing, recovery. Lord, we pray for our country. Father, this morning I pray for our church. Lord, let us be a light. Lord, we want to tell people about Jesus. We pray for the lost this morning and for our ones. And just use us. And most of all, Father, be, be, be glorified as we remember what you did for us through Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.